You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 37. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week. From app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers, we focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast, and a special thank you to Real Estate Dilly for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, saying, great podcast, lots of good information. For the chance of getting in the next episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. In today's episode, we chat with Leah Turner, the founder of Stereotype Audio Transcription. After dropping out of school at 16 years old, she wasn't sure how to build her career. However, she found her passion for traveling. In this episode, Leah tells us about how she started transcribing, what it's like to run a transcription business, stories of interesting clients, and the opportunities that came her way after making a big splash on LinkedIn. Reach out to Leah Turner on LinkedIn for all your transcription needs. In the meantime, keep listening to find out how Leah started with 400 connections on the business networking platform to becoming a LinkedIn influencer. Hi, Leah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi. It's lovely to talk to you again. Yes. Okay. So I just want to jump in right into your story. So can I ask you, where does your journey begin? Maybe with school? Oh, wow. That's a long way back, isn't it? Um, <laughs> not that far back. Obviously, I'm incredibly young still. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I dropped out of school um, at 16 because I just wasn't in a very happy place in my life and I needed something new. Mm-hmm. And I went into a few different jobs. I tried a few different things out to try and see where I fit in and what, what felt good. Um, and then I, I did a little bit of audio typing in a temping job before leaving that to start full-time as an office manager. Well, sort of office manager, secretary, receptionist, PA, all combined in a small construction company, a a building consultancy construction company. Um, And uh, so I was there for a fair few years and I then went through, so this is how I kind of became self-employed. I went through a quite a unpleasant breakup mm-hmm. which sounds really sad but sometimes these things are what pushes you into a n- new part of your life you know they say one door shuts and another one opens the old cliche so that door shut and I got on an airplane and I spent a month in Asia and I fell in love with Thailand and I was in a situation where I had just signed the lease on a flat or an apartment in the UK and it's very expensive Mm-hmm. And I now had no one to share it with because I'd split with my ex-boyfriend. So I was like, I don't want to move out. I don't want to leave this lovely apartment. I need to earn some more money so I can pay for more traveling and stay in my nice apartment. Um, so I needed some extra money. And that's where I sat on a beach in Thailand. And I thought, how do I make some extra money? What can I do that I can earn some money from home? And I thought, well, I've done quite a lot of audio typing I've done some transcribing why don't I just see so when I got back from Asia after a month of partying and living my best life (laughs) 
I uh, sat down at my computer. I chucked a few ads up on the British version of Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And a day later, I had my first customer who I drastically undercharged and who ended up in prison for stabbing his wife's lover. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? I didn't find that out until I wondered why he wasn't replying to my phone calls and why he hadn't paid my invoice. And um, I Googled his name and found that he'd been arrested and imprisoned for nine years for stabbing his wife's lover. So that was oh my that was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, so that was your first customer. Very good experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing experience. But I did get a few breaks with some other clients of some really interesting, varied stuff. Learned some real lessons about not working with people um, like private clients and making sure I take at least a 50% payment up front, all sorts of horrible lessons that cost me some money. Um, and then I, and uh, well, ever since then I've been transcribing and within about six months of starting the company, word of mouth traveled about my business and I managed to get a fair few clients and within six months, I was making more transcribing than I was working as an office manager. And a few months later, with tears in my eyes, I handed my notice in at my job, which I didn't want to do because I really, really loved my job. But I got to the point where I didn't really have a choice. It mm-hmm. was a case of you've made a business, you've worked really, really hard, you need to jump. So I think 2000 and, so it was 2011, I started the business, 2012. I basically worked two full-time jobs back to back. I was getting up at six o'clock in the morning, doing two hours work, driving to my main job, working there till half past five, driving home, getting home at 6.30. And by 7 p.m. I was sat at my desk till 1, 2 a.m. every night for the whole of 2012. So I left my job and went back to Asia for a month and when I got back I've been running Stereotype ever since. What I love about your story is that all of this was motivated by your love for traveling. Yeah yeah it was it's a it's a sense of freedom that Mm. you can't really get from anything else you know you can you can drive your car fast with the roof down you can go running you can ride a horse or a motorbike whatever it is they are all amazing feelings of freedom, mm-hmm. but to be in a land that's not your own, it's not familiar. It it sets you apart somehow. It sort of displaces you and makes you slightly uncomfortable, but in a really exciting way. And I don't get that feeling from anything else. That's a great yeah. feeling that a lot of people don't even get the chance to feel. Yeah. So you, yeah, you found I, it for I, yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been to a few different places. I didn't travel much as a kid because my mm-hmm. family, we didn't have any money. Um, so it wasn't something that I learned as a kid, but my dad was in the Navy mm-hmm. and he traveled the world. Like he really traveled. And I think that's where it sort of come from in me is that need to, to explore. I'm a real homebody. Like I love being at home. I love my home and I love having my own little nest, but I love to go out into the world and know that I can go back to that. And it's, you know, I've got safety, I've got security, but I love to get on that airplane, especially now with my little boy, mm-hmm. and just go and have an adventure and meet new people and experience new foods, new cultures, new smells, new animals, just something different. And 
every place that you go to is so different and I've it's there's no question that it has made me a better person a better outlook on life a lot more humble and gracious about what I have in my life mm-hmm. I appreciate things a lot more um I think it just makes me feel more rounded as a as a human being sort of emotionally intellectually all sorts of you know in every dimension of who I am has been improved by experiencing more of the world yeah and I think it always makes people like it makes it always makes you a better person when you have those experiences yeah that's what I I want for my son but I love that you bring him everywhere he's four years old (laughs) I know this lockdown is really not helping with that. Yeah, yeah. He's been, he's been a lot of places. A he's, lot of places. He's been to more places than me. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, I've, I'm like, literally, I'm sat here in the living room <laughs> at my house and I can mm-hmm. see photos mm-hmm. of our adventures. So they're all around my house and we've got, you know, there's a picture of us dressed as pirates on a ship in Turkey. We we're on a pirate <laughs> ship and there's us, he's, giving me a kiss stood in the middle of a lake like literally I've got my feet in the lake in Canada in the Rocky Mountains in there's us on a quad bike in Costa Rica together there's us on the beach in Western Africa there's like it's just yeah it's amazing yeah we don't all have those pictures (laughs) yeah I know but I'm I literally will work my butt off for like two three months solidly just working all the time gathering every bit of spare cash I can I don't drink I don't party I don't go have any particular hobbies because I work so much mm-hmm. but for me the holidays the adventures that we have those week one week two week three week adventures that we have they're way more important to me than having something that I do once or twice a week or you know drinking alcohol or socializing with friends it's mm-hmm. having these these adventures that we'll remember forever so all of my spare money goes towards these adventures so I don't it's not that I'm earning loads of money and I've got all this spare cash it's just that my cash that is spare is all plowed into these adventures and I love that out of all this you you found like what you love to do in life traveling and you also found a schedule that really works for you so like some people want to like you know live for the weekend like we were talking about before this conversation we're talking about like taking vacations but you go all out you work your butt off for yeah, months yeah. and months and then you take that month off to relax. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's not so relaxing now with a four-year-old. It's pretty <laughs> full on, but it's something <laughs> different. Their life experiences. I don't, one of the things that I often get asked by people or commented on is people say to me, but he won't remember any of it. Yeah. He's only, he's only two. He's only three. He's only four. He's not going to remember these things when he's older. And I said, but you don't do things that are fun so that you remember them. You don't go to that gig that you really want to go to so that in 10 years time, you'll be able to remember it. You go there to enjoy the moment. So why is it you can't live for the moment when you're three or two? He is having the point. best time. He's having the best time in the world, sat on mummy's shoulders, paddling in shark's water, shark waters. <laughs> he's picking a wild mango from the rainforest in Costa Rica. Like, he's just pointed over there and gone, mommy, look, that's a crocodile. Now, these are experiences that, okay, in 10 years time, maybe he won't remember them. He might not. I make videos of every holiday we go on. So, mm-hmm. and, and they, they, I have um, 
an Amazon Fire Stick. So when the TV's on standby, all of our holiday videos and, and pictures all circle on the TV. Mm-hmm. So he constantly sees them. And he sees all of these memories and talks about them all the time. So I think he will remember a lot. But you don't, you don't live your life for the memories that you have of it. You live your life so that right there in that moment, you're having the best time. It is shaping the kind of person that he's becoming. It's giving him confidence and an adventurous spirit and the ability to communicate with people from all parts of the world, from every different culture or class or whatever. You know, he doesn't use language to communicate with children. He'll communicate, he'll find another way. Mm -hmm. when they don't speak his language and he is learning some of the most valuable things and I don't care if you can't remember it it's not like we're not going to continue to have amazing adventures we will still have them when he can remember them as well yeah I love that your dad passed it on to you you're passing it on to your son and you're also documenting everything. So I, I also think that he will remember a lot of things especially if you're constantly reminding him yeah, we do. We talk about it all the time, and he actually brings it up a lot. Uh, he, he even put, he always calls him, um, you know, the big RVs that they have all around Canada. Yeah. That you'll see people that they rent, don't they? And they take them from place to place. Mm-hmm. So whenever he sees those, he calls them Canada vans. Aww. Whenever he sees them in, in the UK now, because he, that's what he associates with Canada. That's so, amazing. Yeah. You can't, you can't get that from school. No, no. Oh my gosh. When we were in, when we were in Costa Rica, we were doing a walk through the rainforest and they had these, these great big plants that mm-hmm. have like all these bulbs on them. And when you squeeze them, all this liquid like water comes out mm-hmm. and you rub it all over yourself and it's supposed to keep mosquitoes away. It's like a natural mosquito repellent. I can't remember what they're called now, but he was like three and he's squeezing this plant and he's rubbing it all over himself and he's eating like the wild, literally in a, in a raft picking a wild mango from a tree <laughs> and um, there's a crocodile behind us and there's beautiful like, eagles in the sky. And I was just sat there like, this is wow. incredible. Yeah. He's three and oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like it's my dream. And he has no concept of how cool, like he ziplined through the rainforest. He has no concept how cool it is that he did a zipline through the rainforest at three years old. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. And he probably won't get it till he's about 14. Like <laughs> yeah. his friends haven't done these things. Yeah. He's going to start realizing when he goes to school, he's like, wait, you didn't touch a mango in Costa Rica. What? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see a baby sloth, but that's it. Like, I, I feel like I'm being really braggy talking about it like that, but it's not, I don't say it. I don't mean it like that. I mean, like, it blows my mind that yeah. I somehow managed to facilitate this for him. And it just makes me feel so happy that I've, I've managed to be able to do it. It's just, you know, when you just achieve yeah. something that you really, mm-hmm. really always wanted. And that's how I feel about it. Well, it's amazing. So, and yeah, and I, I think we can... I'm, I actually have so many questions about all the things your son has done around the world, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll get him on the podcast next time. <laughs> next time he's going to have to come on, <laughs> but you said you, you made it possible for him and that's with stereotype audio transcription. Can you yeah. tell us more about your business? So, I mean, to a lot of people, it's going to sound really dull because <laughs> I literally take things that people say and turn them into text documents. So 
Um, it's things like HR meetings, interviews, uh, focus groups, market research kind of groups, um, building surveys, reports, meeting notes for any kind of industry. I do a lot of inter research interviews for things like people's dissertations, master's degrees. Um, oh, wow. It's so varied. I do medical reports. I do quite a lot of medical reports for things like insurance claims, mm -hmm. quite a lot of medical research. Um, I'm doing an awful lot on coding at the moment. I seem to be getting an endless amount of information about cybersecurity and coding. Oh, uh, Police interviews. There is so much variety. And it's, a, it's one of those things that everybody thinks that they can do until they try to do it. And then they realize it's really difficult unless really? you're very practiced yeah yeah it's it takes a lot of patience you don't just have to type fast yeah no, you have yeah. Have, yeah you have to have very good hearing you mm -hmm. have to have a real ability to focus for long periods of time but have good research skills um but it's basically just turning documents into what the client is looking for and some people want everything everything documented like the police they want every quiver in the voice every stutter every oh hesitation. wow they ask for that literally everything yeah when it's submitted in court they need everything because <gasps> um, they need to kind of understand the emotional state of the person behind the words as well yeah so there's that and then most of the time it's things they want intelligent verbatim so basically get rid of all the ums and the ahs all the so and the you know all the mm -hmm bits and all the extra bits in your conversation and just provide a clean transcript so then you sort your ears are sort of a filter but you're you were typing you're typing what someone just said as fast as you can while listening to the next thing that they said that you, you're about to have to type while they're then saying the next thing so it does take a lot of practice and extremely fast fingers and being able to do it right the first time, because if you have to keep rereading it and proofing it over and over, you're just going to take so long to do it. So I prefer proofing as I go. Oh, and then just what? You do it all at the after. same time? I just get it right first time. <laughs> you know, if you're that, when you're good, when you're really, really good at it, you get it right first time. You get, you spell everything right the first time. You're not constantly having to go back and check your own use of homophones and mm -hmm. if you've got the semicolons in the right place because you know because that's how good you are you've done it for so long um so, so finding really good transcribers is it's mm -hmm. anyone can do it but not everybody can do it well yeah so and for when like, you find someone who does it well keep them yeah well <laughs> if if you can do it in like a good amount of time if if a recording comes your way and it's an hour long how long does it take you to, to transcribe it's there depend it depends on a lot of factors because if if you've say got two speakers and one of them's got quite a difficult accent um mm. or if you get or if you're two people who speak a lot and very quickly mm -hmm. so it it or if they're over speaking each other a lot or if it's particularly technically heavy on information so i have to research a lot to know certain spellings of companies or people's names or or like with the coding a lot i don't know much about coding so i'm having to look up the names of certain softwares and processes that they use um, or different acronyms but i'm learning and it's going into the bank of knowledge in my head so i don't have to re keep researching it yeah i didn't realize <laughs> that there was a research component too yeah yeah quite a lot of research if you don't research as a transcriber you're not going to be a good transcriber 
mm. because you're just going to have you're going to have transcripts that are just full of errors yeah that makes sense especially when they're like all all lingo that you're not familiar with yeah yeah well this is why you should use a person over ai because while ai might be able to like voice recognition mm-hmm. it might be able to get the basics of a conversation mm-hmm. but it's going to screw up a lot i i actually for a company last week they wanted to test how long it would take me to type the document versus how long it would take me to proof and edit a document that was written by ai so the same document so i ran one of them had been run, run through a sophisticated voice recognition or voice to text service and one of them was by me and it took me two hours to proof it and this was a half hour document so it took me about an hour to an hour and a half to proof it and correct it and to actually just type it took me an hour so it was cheaper for him to pay me to do it than to pay me to correct it whoa that's crazy so that's what it is out of out of curiosity i'm wondering can you talk to us about some clients that you've had that like fun projects that you've had oh there was one there was one guy who asked me to rewrite his novel and he'd written a like pre-biblical times fantasy novel and it was based it was a really religious novel i can't remember what it's called now it was it was very much based in religion but it was incredible and it was one of the first big projects i ever worked on when i'd started the business and he'd handwritten the whole thing i wanted <gasps> it transcribed and it was about um oh it must have been 300 or more typed a4 pages but oh it was one of the best projects i've ever worked on and i always wish that i got more people wanting me to rewrite their books but obviously these days everybody just hypes them anyway yeah but wow, god it's that's so awesome yeah that was amazing and when i was pregnant um i was about three and a half months pregnant and this journalist called me who'd seen one of my adverts and he said um i've seen your website and i'd really like you to come down to london i've got quite a big project that i i want to talk to you about and i was like oh okay this is quite interesting Hmm. so i hopped on a train to london and i very rarely meet my clients because they're mostly online Mm-hmm. so I was like oh this is a bit of an adventure we'll go to London anyway it was a very elderly partially sighted ex-journalist and he was the sweetest man and he lived in a very fancy London townhouse and it was like walking into a movie set he had a fire on and it was like April April or May because I was about four, months, four and a half months pregnant and it mm-hmm. was very hot and he had stacks of books and loose paper everywhere floor to ceiling uh transcripts books manuscripts everything it was just like something out of harry potter just everywhere you looked was paper and books with this fire that was over and he had a mad little assistant and this tiny little office had to climb over piles of books to get to it was incredible and he had been writing for 20 years these aphorisms which are like i don't know if you've ever heard of one but it's basically like a witty observation like a one-liner he had written 25,000 of them. Oh my God. Were any of them good? Yeah, some of them were good. Yeah, some of them were good. <laughs> and he turned them into like a series of books. But I had 25,000 of them that were either handwritten or they'd been typed and printed over the past 20 years. And they were in all these great big folders. And I filled this huge bag with these folders. 
and dragged them back to the train station with me. And bear in mind, I'm pregnant. Like I'm in my second Oh my time God. Yeah. So I dragged them back on the train. I didn't tell him that I was pregnant because I didn't want him to not let me take the files mm-hmm. I wanted the job because it was a really it was gonna it was gonna cost him a, a fair few thousand pounds so I was like I'm really busy with work but this will pay for everything I need for my baby mm. so you were determined so yeah so I dragged them into us into a taxi got back to the train station took them all the way home and then after I finished work each day I would sit on the on the sofa with my laptop in front of the telly and I would in front of the tv and I would just retype all these aphorisms these aphorisms into um into a spreadsheet and then I had to categorize them all depending on what they were for his book it took me months <gasps> like I finished it just before I had my baby that's such a yeah. cool project though <laughs> it was it was a really intense project but it was because it was ongoing and I was just like it's not cheap having a kid when you're having a child on your own. It's not cheap. So um, it paid for everything though. Absolutely everything that he needed was covered by that. And at this point, were you still working as the office manager? No, by that point I'd been running Stereotype. So I started running Stereotype in 2013 full time, the beginning of 2013. And um, my little boy came along in September, 2015. Oh, so it was between like May and September in 2015 that I did that project. And I just, I did it, worked around the clock. I, I think I was still working at 10 p.m. the night before my C-section was booked. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so determined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I knew I had to have a bit of time off when I'd had, had my baby. so. I mean, a whole two weeks. <laughs> Whoa. Watch out, everyone. She took two yeah. weeks off. <laughs> um, yeah, then it was back to work with a baby strapped to my chest. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was one of those projects that just sort of came along at the right time that meant that I would have the extra cash that I needed to, to provide my little boy with, with a good start in life. So that was, that was good. But it was, it was a really, probably the biggest project I've ever taken on. Oh wow. um, yeah, I'm sure. If it yeah. took months, that's a long. Yeah. You really do need patience and speed. It. Yeah, I had to fit it around all my other jobs though, because it was. I like a big project that I can sink my teeth into, but when there's no particular hurry for it, mm-hmm. you don't have to stress yourself out by trying to get it done super yeah. fast. Yeah, and then it's so. about priority, and you have to manage yeah. your schedule around it. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. you have this big job. You have your baby. And let's mm-hmm. fast forward to November 2019. And that's when you really got on, on LinkedIn. So yeah. it's a few months later and you're at like what, 20,000 connections? Now, tw- I think I'm around just about to hit 26,000 now, something like that. Which is crazy. crazy. Yeah. You started yeah, at how many? 400. Oh my in gosh. November. so yeah um yeah so probably by the end of probably by the end of may i'll be around thirty thousand, maybe sooner than that okay so what's your secret how did you do it how did you grow so quickly 
I, I, I went in with no strategy whatsoever. I, I started on LinkedIn purely because one of my friends who was doing some work for me wanted to leave her job and she wanted to work for me full time. And I said, right, this is it. I'm going to grow. This is the time for me to grow the business because I hadn't been able to because my little boy in the past mm -hmm. didn't have the time to dedicate. And I said, right, Naomi wants to work for me full time. I'm going to do it. So I went onto LinkedIn, not really with thinking I was going to be able to get more business from it, more just out of curiosity. And I sort of had to start having a look in a, around and thinking about, would I be able to get any business here? Started speaking to a few people that I saw actually run businesses where all of their clients come from LinkedIn. And I was thinking, oh, okay, maybe this could be a good thing. And all I did was start posting every day. Mm -hmm. I would post something every day. And sometimes I would post something that was quite funny. Sometimes I would post about business. I think I, I think the first one that I actually got any traction with was, it was just a silly meme, it, but it really tickled me. And it, and suddenly it had 20,000 people that had seen it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, what? This is loads. 20,000 people. That's amazing. And now I'm sad if my posts only get seen by 20,000. I'm like, oh, that wasn't a good one. <laughs> but I was so excited by it. How many views do your posts normally get? So I posted one yesterday. I think it's like 90,000. All right. Maybe 100,000. I am usually that's happy with over 1,000. I'm like, woo. <laughs> but that I mean that's I think that's normal. I like I'm not saying I'm not saying that my posts deserve this many views. I think my my I might be getting some favoritism from the algorithm or something at this point because it just seems a bit ridiculous. Um but I, I literally just started going onto LinkedIn, posting stuff every day, having a bit of laugh with the other people in the comment sections mm -hmm. um, of my posts and of their posts. Like I would just get involved, comment on other people's stuff, but be positive, be nice. Like I didn't comment about things if I was in a bad mood. I didn't go on LinkedIn if I was feeling in a bad mood. I went when I was feeling like good and happy. Mm -hmm. And, and, then, and had a good experience on there. Yeah, and making real connections. Yeah, making real connections. Yeah. And becoming genuinely friendly with some people and, and really taking value from what other people know and what I'm learning from it, as well as giving value back. And I'm not going to say that my posts are the best. I'm not a copywriter. I'm not an incredible writer. I'm certainly got no marketing expertise whatsoever. All I know is what I've learned from my own business, which isn't very much because most of my business has come from word of mouth. I'm a total, total novice and I would never claim to be anything other than that. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is that I say seems to be quite human and resonates with people. If I'm excited about it, it comes across in, if I'm excited about what I'm talking about, it comes across in the way I write. If I'm feeling very grateful, I let people know that I'm feeling grateful for for their support um and i'm i share how i feel about things you know i'm not i'm not a robot that's just talking about business i'm sharing mm -hmm. bits of my life about things that trouble me things that make me happy good things that have happened in business bad things that have happened in business um and yeah it's not just a good a full three-dimensional version of me not just a happy clappy version not just a <laughs> corporate version the mm. full obviously there aren't going to be there are going to be things that i do keep back because it's social media and 
you can't live your entire life on there but yeah. so you have to be careful to a certain amount so but i think people appreciate seeing who i am from every angle not yeah, just, the good the bad yeah. the evil yeah no <laughs> i mean try and keep that one under wraps Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so not everyone that bit <laughs> <laughs> you get on uh, you get on LinkedIn how long does it take for you to realize like oh this is working for my business um so it was November that I started because Naomi said I think it was end of October that she would quite like to look at working for me full-time and I was planning on going to Thailand with my little boy for three weeks at the mm -hmm. end of December. So we flew out on New Year's Eve to Thailand and spent three weeks there. And I was already have I already had a significant following by that point. And I'd had a, a fair few clients from LinkedIn, but not enough that I could support somebody else. But I was certainly getting a lot of lot more momentum, a lot of inquiries. And a few people I sort of said, well, I'm in Thailand now for three weeks, but when I'm back, and it slows down at that time of year anyway for work generally. So when I got back at the end of January, just before all the coronavirus stuff completely exploded, um, it was it was time for Naomi to start. She start, started with me at the beginning of February and she has worked for 25 hours a week for me ever since. And I had enough clients to provide her with that amount of work, plus two other women who wow. were working part-time. Yeah, and, and it went from just me in the beginning of November to me plus one full-time plus two sometimes three part-time ladies wow, all because that's of awesome. and now it's they've taken some time off and I haven't been sending work to them over the last month or so because of the coronavirus things mm -hmm. have quieted down a bit but it has absolutely ramped up again this week it has been absolutely crazy busy and so they're all back to work as of Monday Oh, wow. And yeah. is it possible to talk about some of the opportunities you got from LinkedIn? Yeah. So, I mean, some of them are a little bit up in the air at the moment, but I've, as we were, I sort of mentioned earlier, I've had a few offers of um, paid promotional work, mm -hmm. which I'm, I was hesitant about at first because I'd had some people saying, you shouldn't do that. It's selling out. It's going to damage your brand. And I said, no, no, no. Do you know what? I know what's best for my brand. I know who I am. I know who my business is and what I want it to be. And actually, if these are things that I really believe in that genuinely will help people, then I am going to support it. It will. I will get some money from it and I will be genuinely promoting something that I believe will help people. Mm -hmm. So I had Adam help me without, with stopping smoking last week and he didn't charge me for the session, but on the basis that I would only promote him if I found it successful and if I was pleased with it and I could not be happier. Adam Small has boost, has changed my life. I have been so happy and so energetic this last week because I finally kicked a habit that I've hated doing for years. Um, I've had, I've been offered the opportunity to do some speaking at events, which I had a few things booked, but obviously, again, yeah. over 19 and throwing that, throwing mm. the spanner in the but that'll, that'll all happen afterwards. Yeah. I've met some, met some amazing people. I've had 
I've worked with way more people from all over the world than I would before. I've got clients in Thailand, I've got clients in, in Canada, in New York, in San Diego, all over the place, which is really exciting because that's just more variety in what I'm doing. Um, what else has there been? Uh, I've started a blog. I started oh. Yeah, I've started a blog, which there's only a couple of posts on there so far, but I'm going to continue adding to it. Um, started a YouTube channel. Oh. Which, I'm, again, I'm not quite sure the direction of that, but okay. I'm learning to subtitle my own videos and edit my own videos, which is something brand new that I've never done before. It's which, exciting. Yeah, it's nice yeah. To, to learn a new, a new thing, a new mm-hmm. skill. Um, and it's... I've had, I've had quite a few people ask me to manage their, their business social media as well because of my success on LinkedIn. But I haven't turned to that yet because quite honestly, it's not my forte. I, mm-hmm. I, am, I'm, I can sell me, I can sell my business, but <laughs> I don't know how good I would be at selling somebody else's business. Yeah, that's fair. That's a valid concern. You know? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that that's the direction I want to go. But at the moment... I'm having a lot of people kind of clocked how much engagement I'm getting and come at me with offers. And it's amazing to have those offers and to have those people interested, but also it's kind of like, do they want me because they genuinely like what I do as a person or some, or is it something to do with trying to harness my reach Mm, yeah and I like that you're able to to get all these offers but then filter through them it has to at the end of the day what I'm known for on LinkedIn and what has been successful for me is being 100% myself and doing things the way I do them and if an opportunity doesn't align with that for me it doesn't feel right and my instincts don't say this is a good this is a good move I'm not Mm going to do it because my instincts have got me as far as I am now. And if my gut says that doesn't really feel right, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So I'll consider, I, will consider, I will totally consider any offer that comes my way, but I'm not like I've been asked to promote CBD oil. And I said, okay, I, I want some and I'm going to learn, going to see how I go with it. Mm-hmm. And if I like it, then we'll talk. And I've been yeah. using it and it's incredible the shoulder pain, <laughs> I, I usually am suffering with such bad shoulder pain by the end of the day from hunching at my desk all day. And, uh, and it's completely gone after four days of using it. Wow, which, that's crazy. So I'm now going to get some for my mum because she's got arthritis in her knee. So I'm going to get some for her. And there's a few of my friends I've just been like, look, I'm, I'm going to get commission from trying to sell this stuff. So then I can get you guys pots of it as well. So I will hundred percent promote that because I genuinely believe in it. And that's, that's the thing. If I'd really, I said to a guy the other day, he, he does first aid training for parents for their children. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I was like, look, can I book on one of these courses? Send me one of the kits and I will promote it. I'm not charging him. I'll get a free course and a free first aid kit to promote it because mm-hmm. first aid for parents for their children is crucial. We should all know how to provide, provide emergency care for our children. Yeah. That's not paid. That's because I know that I can help and do, do good for a company that are helping parents to be better responsible for their children's health yeah. and safety. So um, it's just integrity is really, really, really important to me. 
Yeah, and, and it want... shows. It shows through your posts, everything that you're telling me today. So yeah, and you're sticking to it. It's good. It's it's very hard because you will get people that will question it because of your popularity, mm. and you get people that try and. Mm, there's been a few people that kind of question motivations and question if I am who the person, if I am the person I portray myself to be. I, I just think they're jealous, really. I wouldn't. I don't like to use that word, but sometimes there's there's an element of mm. of negativity, and, and you yeah. sort of think, well, you know, you can't let it get to you too much. Yeah, but you're sticking to what you believe in, and that's what matters, and that's why you're successful. That's why yeah. you've been able to grow because you're you're staying true to yourself. And that's it's great. hard. It's one of the hard things on LinkedIn is actually sometimes you take it a bit people can take it too seriously mm-hmm. and ultimately it's awesome but it's it's social it's a social network you can't it's monopoly money it's not real until the opportunities that come from it become real mm-hmm. that's so you know? true yes and that's you've got so to true. keep that separate in your head if you start taking it too seriously and you start letting it give you an ego about the kind of person you are you can be a big fish on linkedin and a nobody in real life yeah there's no they're not mutually exclusive just because you're a big deal on LinkedIn does not make you a big deal in real life. I'm certainly not a big deal in real life. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> I'm just a very normal person that is incredibly clumsy, can't cook, will burn food constantly. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a disorganized mess of a human being. So I'm not, <laughs> you, can't, you just can't take that stuff seriously, but it's fun. It's fun and it's providing opportunities that I didn't have before. And that's what I'm really grateful for. So I want to, I want to know your advice on something. If. Okay. Or your opinion rather. Right. Yeah. So if you can pinpoint one thing that led to where you are today, what would that one thing be? Working really hard. Okay. So I would like you to go in a little bit more detail because. A lot of people say that. Anybody mm. who's, you know, I've heard Oprah say that. You have to work really hard <laughs> to get to where you are today, right? And I feel I did like... I not steal from Oprah. <laughs> Sorry? I did not steal that from Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe you. I believe you. But um, I'm wondering if you can go into more detail, as in, like, what was working hard for you? Can you, get, can you paint people a picture maybe of your day? We know you worked two jobs at one point. But yeah, something tangible that people can say, oh, that's how she was working hard and got to where she was today. Originally, it was taking whatever jobs were offered to me. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't want to do them, they were a way of learning. And if, even if it wasn't about learning the actual, you know, I could be typing something that I typed a million times, but it's for a different client. So I'm learning how to in- interact and respond to a different client with a different way of thinking. And there was, that's, that is invaluable, is learning how to handle the clients that you get in a way that makes the client not just appreciate the work that you've done, but enjoy working with you. Mm-hmm. So that extra line in, a, in an email that makes you sound like you personally care about who they are, you know, wishing that they have a nice weekend or inquiring their plans for Christmas or whatever it is, to make it go beyond just a business exchange because mm-hmm. people connect with you better if they feel like you care. 
And that's not saying fake it, but care about the people that you work for and they will care for you. Does that make sense? It's yeah, a, it's putting in it's that a, extra step. Yeah, it's you're not just a business transaction. You can make it into a friendship. And the clients that I have that I still work with now are supporting me through the downturn in the economy right now. And they are helping me because I have, you know, worked a late night evening to get some urgent work back for them because actually, do you know what? I had nothing else to do and they're in a, they're in a bind. So I will pull it out of the bag for them because they need me. And it's those little things is the customer experience with you as a business make them feel appreciated and they will appreciate you. And I feel like this is also aligned with your values. It is. Yeah. It's an extension of you. Yeah. Yeah. My business has been successful because I treat people the way I want to be treated by, by Mm -hmm. people I work with. It's mutual respect. It's mutual, um, you know, consideration for each other. And I've had bad customers and I've had to play hardball with people to get invoices paid and things like that. And I haven't always probably done it the professional way, <laughs> but, but I've learned from it. It's all about learning a learning curve, isn't it? It's you will make mistakes, but it's how you deal with those mistakes. If you take less and that again, it follows through in my life. You will screw up, but if you learn from it, it was worth screwing up. Very well and said. And the bad, part, the bad parts of business, the mistakes that you make are as important as the successes because they're all part of how you grow. And it's mm-hmm. not being afraid to make the mistakes. Sometimes you'll take on a job and you'll drastically undercharge for it because you didn't realize how labor intensive it was. Or you'll do a job and a customer will just be a bad person and they'll refuse to pay you because they'll say the job was rubbish or, or terrible, even though you know it wasn't because mm-hmm. that's the kind of person that they are. It's not don't take things personally work hard treat everybody with respect care about what you do and the people you're doing it for and you really can't fail I love it's it. not just about the work it's about who you're working for yeah I love it it's really making them the priority and going yeah. the extra step for them yeah yeah I think that's, that's definitely why my clients have been with me for so many years I hope so, so anyway before we end this interview, I have one last question for you, Leah. Okay, go on. What is in store for stereotype audio transcription? Oh, I was actually just talking to my mum about this today. So <laughs> the girls, all the girls, and I don't say that in a sexist way, I'll take on male transcribers if I find any great ones, but it's the predominantly female industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls are back on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that. We've got lots of interesting projects coming up. I can't really talk about them, but there's some new clients that I'm working with. So, and I've had a couple of really exciting opportunities come up this week from with tip-offs from LinkedIn connections, actually. So that could prove a lot of work coming in. But I want to I want to find a couple of more transcribers when my workload is up, and I've got an inbox full of CVs uh, from people now wanting to work for me. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, loads of people have sort of messaged because it's work from home work, so it's obviously very popular. <laughs> so I think I'll be trying out a few of those and growing my team a little bit more as the work as as life hopefully soon starts getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. 
the workload will continue to grow and my old clients that have gone quiet will come back and then I I would like to grow my team to the point where I'm then not typing I'm managing and I was I'm hoping to do that by the end of this year so that will then leave me free to do more of the other things that the opportunities that LinkedIn is giving me so getting out and about a bit more meeting new people doing a bit of consulting work and who knows embracing embracing different opportunities that Mm -hmm. get me out of my home office and (laughs) the real world of actual real life people (laughs) (laughs) i love it those are awesome goals yeah well thank you so much for talking to me today leah and uh i hope you have a great rest of the day yeah i've got to go to a party now (laughs) (laughs) an indoor party (laughs) i love it though you really have to tell me how that goes (laughs) yes i will i will send you a photo of my madonna madonna get up Okay, I love it. Okay, well, I'll talk to you soon, Leah. All right. Okay. Thank you, Laura. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Bye. Before ending this episode, I want to highlight key takeaways from my conversation with Leah. By starting a business with the right intentions, your motivation is limitless. Leah is proof of that. She works so hard so she can travel and explore the world and nothing can get in her way. Second, I love how authentic Leah is. Everyone loves to throw on that word, but Leah embraces it and she carries her authenticity and her values into her business. Finally, the last takeaway is being open to opportunities. Leah is willing to learn new skills to take advantage of opportunities coming her way. Thanks so much for listening, everyone.